Welcome to Adventist Voices, Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by Juan Perla. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you for having me, Alex. So we're talking about the law, and it's the perfect person to talk about this because he has been trying to make change at the Supreme Court on behalf of a couple of organizations familiar to most of you listening, the Adventist Forum, which publishes Spectrum, and Seventh-day Adventist Kinship International, which is an advocacy group and support group for LGBTQ Adventists. And I want to ask you, Juan, what are you doing bringing these two groups together and submitting an amicus brief to the Supreme Court on behalf of these Adventists? Well, uh, Alex, that's a good question. Um, right now in the Supreme Court, religious liberty and freedom of conscience, freedom of religion is a very big topic. And there is a, a big case that is coming up uh, at the Supreme Court, this new term called 303 Creative versus Ellenis. And this case deals with a uh, business that creates custom wedding websites for um, the general public, but the business owner, who uh, is a, a Christian woman, um, refuses to sell those same websites or create those same custom websites for same-sex couples. And she wants to be able to post a sign, a disclaimer on her website, basically saying, I only do this for opposite sex couples. I don't do this for same sex marriages. And she believes she should be able to do that as a matter of her free speech because she has a religious objection to same sex marriage. Sure. So I thought it would be uh, a good case to to bring uh, an Adventist perspective on religious liberty and, reli and freedom of conscience issues uh, surrounding the concerns uh, about being able to discriminate against someone on the basis of any protected characteristic, including sexual orientation. And as I hope we'll get into a little bit more, um, religious discrimination directed at LGBTQ persons of faith who believe that they um, should marry uh, as a matter of their own uh, spiritual practice and conscience. Great. I really like that you're kind of recognizing, you're help drawing people's attention to the fact that there are people of faith who want to get married to same-sex partners, and that is part of religious belief that should be protected as well and not discriminated against. We're going to get into some of this. Let's still talk at the higher level here and point out that uh, we're not the only Adventists involved here. The General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists has... Um, uh, also uh, lent their voice um, to one of the sides in this case. Can you talk a little bit about um, who they're um, uh, who they're um, in coalition with? 
Sure. Um, the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists has joined an amicus brief that is led by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, along with other uh, uh, denominations and religious groups. That brief has already been filed on the Supreme Court's docket, so it's publicly available for anyone who's interested in going to read it. But basically, the, the General Conference uh, felt that they needed to assert its own interests and what they uh, claim to be the interests of its members in advocating on behalf of the website designers right as a matter of free speech to refuse to treat same-sex couples on equal terms with opposite sex couples in her commercial business. So I love that we're doing this because this is an opportunity for Adventists um, to witness and say, not all Adventists agree with the general conference. And this is a great example to do that in the, in a public forum uh, in the United States of America, a place that uh, we often talk about in, in, um, in talking about Adventist history has been a place where freedom of worship is taken seriously, but also threatened at times. And Seventh-day Adventists as Sabbatarians are a minority faith within the larger Christian um, milieu here. Let's talk a little bit about this case and the argument that this amicus brief is putting forth. Um, before we do that, can you talk about what really you know, what you're trying to communicate um, in doing this? Well, what I really hope I'm doing here by uh, offering my advocacy uh, on behalf of Adventist Forum and SCA Kinship is to give a voice to uh, LGBTQ Adventists and those who uh, are allies of LGBTQ Adventists and who believe sincerely as a matter of their own Adventist understanding of the Bible, their own uh, Christian views, uh, that respecting a same-sex couple's legal right to marry is consistent with biblical principles. It's consistent with uh, the Adventist historical commitment to religious liberty. And in addition, to also give voice to many of the uh, LGBTQ Adventists and uh, members and allies who sincerely believe that marriage between uh, same-sex couples, like marriage between opposite-sex couples, can be and is a manifestation of God's love for humanity, and there is no reason why uh, the two can't coexist as part of God's design. That's so beautiful, and I it's, it's so fun to see the ways that, you know, full disclosure, Juan and I were in college together at Andrews University, and it's so great to see, you know, the kind of debates that we would have about ideas in classes. Those ideas get translated into ling legal language in, in something like this, and um, you're making a really uh, careful, um, incisive argument about free exercise and free speech. Can you kind of help folks understand what is important with the, the law here? Yes, these two um, constitutional rights, free exercise of religion and freedom of speech, 
They are part of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. They're also a part of a slew of other rights, um, association, uh, the right to petition. Uh, they're also included as part of what is known as the Establishment Clause, which basically prohibits Congress from making laws uh, respecting the establishment of religion. So these are very complex, complicated constitutional principles, but at the end of the day, what they're meant and they're designed to do is to lend the greatest amount of freedom and uh, rights to individuals to exercise and to think and to speak about their conscience and their beliefs and their, whether political or religious, while at the same time allowing uh, society, Congress, allowing uh, the, the country to create laws that permit us to live and coexist and share in all of the same rights um, and to uh, learn to get along with each other as much as possible so that we can have a thriving uh, society. So these, these issues are at play in this case um, and we can talk a little bit about the distinction between free exercise and free speech, which becomes an important pivotal, pivotal issue here. Well, let's talk about the, that distinction. What, what should um, people who are paying attention to some of the reporting on this case understand about the differences there? So free exercise deals with the ability to believe however you want to believe, but also to be able to act and conduct and exercise those beliefs. So the most common example for Adventists is the, the, the freedom to worship on Sabbath and not to be uh, prevented from doing so or to be compelled to do uh, otherwise. Um, the right to believe, the, the, the freedom to believe is absolute. We can believe whatever we want the freedom or the right to exercise a religion is not absolute. There can be limits that can be imposed on that right. And as a, the way that the law is right now, there's a decision of the Supreme Court called Employment Division v. Smith that basically says that when Congress passes a neutral, generally applicable law that governs the conduct of everybody in society equally, that... Uh, free exercise becomes limited. So you can't claim a religious exemption from a law that is neutral and generally applicable. It's a very high bar for a, a law to be determined to be neutral and generally applicable, but Employment uh, Division v. Smith found that kind of a law um, and, and imposed that rule. Free speech is much more broad. You have a lot more freedom to speak and to, and to say what you want to say. Uh, the issue here becomes that Colorado, which is the jurisdiction where this case comes out of, has an anti-discrimination law that says that you can't discriminate on the basis of certain protected characteristics like race, nationality, sex, religion, and sexual orientation. And, the, uh, and you can't post signs or make statements on your website, for example, that would suggest that you intend to discriminate or refuse or deny service to someone based on those characteristics. And here, the business owner, rather than bring a free exercise claim to exempt herself from complying with this law, um, which would be very hard for her to show because it's a generally applicable neutral law and it would be a difficult argument to make otherwise, 
Um, also, there's actually an exemption in the law itself for places that uh, do predominantly religious work. She doesn't claim to fit that category. So instead, as a commercial enterprise, she's saying, it infringes my free speech to have to use my custom websites for to have them used for same-sex weddings because it sends the message that I somehow agree with uh, same-sex marriage and that would be contrary to my religious belief so I should be able to not say that and say that I disagree with uh, that form of marriage and it's it's uh, a novel theory in the sense that for the most part the Supreme Court has held that the act of discriminating the act of refusing to have someone come onto your premise, come into your store, buy your products, is not sufficiently expressive. It doesn't actually communicate anything about what the seller or business believes. So it can be regulated and it can be uh, prohibited by states and by the government. But there's an open question as to whether discriminatory acts that are motivated by a conscience, a religious belief, can somehow be transformed into expressive acts that must be protected under the First Amendment. And this is a very big uh, issue because it opens up the door to all sorts of uh, discriminatory acts that people of all different religious groups might be able to claim they have to engage in because of their conscience. There are some real world implications for this beyond just the impact on LGBTQ folks who want to get married. Uh, it can impact religious people um, uh, who, uh, there's a long history of people, uh, religious people discriminating against other religious people, even here in America. And um, there's an example uh, that you point out, and I would love it if you could kind of talk about it, of Jews discriminating against Jews for Jesus, an, El an evangelical Christian organization, um, and maybe you can unpack that. Absolutely. So that's a good example because it actually relates to a case that um, came up in New York. It, it's a decision of the New York Court of Appeals, which is the highest court in New York. And basically there you had a situation where a council of rabbis, Orthodox Jews, were um, trying to lobby private businesses in their community to refuse service, catering services, and rental of venues to uh, a group of Jews for Jesus that were coming into the community to talk about their faith and to start spreading their faith. And the New York Court of Appeals expressed concern that uh, even the, the rabbis who would normally be exempt from complying with anti-discrimination laws may run afoul of a, 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 a law like uh, an anti-discrimination law if they were lobbying private businesses to engage in discriminatory conduct. The fact that they were doing it out of a concern uh, about their own pres preserving their own religious beliefs wouldn't transform that discriminatory act of the private businesses into some sort of uh, a speech that uh, uh, was protected. But under a rule like the one that is being advocated for by the, by the website designer here, you could see how not just the rabbis, but even a private business might be able to say, oh, I don't believe uh, in what the, the Jews for Jesus religious group believes in, so I don't want to 
uh, cater their events. I don't want to rent them my public facility. Um, and then you start opening up this kind of uh, uh, religiously motivated discrimination to other scenarios that seem a little bit even perhaps more uh, uh, problematic. Imagine a uh, commercial photographer that refuses to uh, photograph uh, women for professional headshots because he claims to have a sincere belief that women shouldn't work and belong in the home. Um, or you have a uh, business that decides that they don't agree with Seventh-day Adventists worshiping on Sabbath instead of Sunday and decide that they're going to close their doors to Adventists as well. And you create this scenario where everyone just starts to discriminate against each other because of their own religious motivations uh, in transactions, commercial transactions that don't inherently communicate any kind of religious message, like creating a commercial website. Yeah. Well, that's really helpful to hear you explain this. Let's jump back and maybe talk a little bit about how you became interested in um, the law and um, and and also thinking about how Adventists can uh, you know kind of have a public voice. I know you and I spent time at Andrews University together, uh, good times, and we both enjoyed um, arguing in class and also you know trying to create some um, debate opportunities on campus as well. Uh, since then, you went and what, uh, worked, actually you were, um, spent some time uh, working for the Adventist Church uh, as a representative. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yes, my, my first two internships out of uh, Andrews uh, were internships for uh, the church and for a church hospital. Uh, the first one was as a field intern for the General Conference at the UN Commission on Human Rights in Geneva, Switzerland. And there I, I spent almost a year uh, going to meetings, um, reporting back on issues uh, that touched on uh, religious freedom, um, religious tolerance, religious education for children, all of the kinds of traditional religious freedom issues that the church is interested in. Um, after that, I uh, ended up joining Adventist Health out on the West Coast uh, in the communications department there and eventually took on a uh, management role at uh, White Memorial Medical Center uh, in Los Angeles. And from there, uh, I decided that my, my true passion really was in advocacy. It was in telling stories, but telling stories for a purpose of advancing uh, a, a goal or a position. Can you talk a little bit about how um, the, your time at law school not only prepared you professionally, but also impacted the way you think about Adventism and our public witness? Sure. So uh, after Andrews, I went to the University of Southern California for a master's degree. And that was very uh, helpful in opening my mind already to different way, to different people, different professors, different ways of thinking about uh, problems. And then when I got to law school at UC Berkeley, uh, there was definitely another uh, opening of uh, ideas and thoughts. And, and, and through that process, I remained, I think, interested in trying to find a way to reconcile 
the values and the principles and the teachings that I was raised with uh, in the Adventist Church and the education that I had received at, uh, at Andrews University um, in my professional life, in my personal life. Mm-hmm. And as I grew in the law as a lawyer, um, I was looking for ways in which to bring these worlds together, in which to uh, use the skills and the knowledge I learned at UC Berkeley and uh, put them together with the values and principles and lessons I learned at Andrews. And I thought that an amicus brief on this issue would be a good way to start um, putting both of those uh, experiences to work and further ideas that I still value very much and cherish from my Adventist upbringing. Great. Let's wrap with this last question here, which is, um, what do you want Adventists who um, read through this amicus brief to come away with? I think the first thing that I hope they come away with is a understanding that there are many LGBTQ Adventists out there, some that they may already know, but don't know that they are LGBTQ. Uh, and to understand there is a, a sincere desire to reconcile their identity with their Adventist faith, their Christian commitments. And many have, and marriage happens to be one of those areas in which the two can be reconciled. Mm-hmm. LGBTQ uh, Adventists and Christians generally, when they want to marry, they're actually saying, we believe and accept the teachings of the church on family, on marriage, on commitment, and we want to be a part of that. We want to uphold those principles. So it's always seemed to me quite odd that uh, the church would want to deny that kind of blessing to LGBTQ Adventists that want to make that commitment. So I think that's the first thing I would want a reader to come away with. And then more broadly, uh, I would hope that even readers who may have a hard time thinking through that uh, at at a first level to at least uh, remember and be reminded of the basic Adventist principle that uh, equality for all, freedom of conscience for all, is an important value that is beneficial to Adventists, but also beneficial to the society and the communities that we live in. And when we respect each other's rights, when we respect each other's um, beliefs and identities, we actually create a more compassionate, and and if I dare say, perhaps we create a little bit of the grace uh, of the kingdom of God in uh, our communities and our societies, uh, rather than um, uh, foment strife and conflict among each other. Mm. Well, those are uh, beautiful sentiments that I agree with. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me and also um, offering to uh, do this pro bono amicus brief on behalf of Adventist Forum and Kinship and uh, a lot of other folks who uh, like to think along these lines. Thank you so much, uh, Alex, and absolutely, um, it's been an honor and a pleasure, and I would like to say that my law firm and the team that has uh, worked with me on this has also been very um, instrumental in making it happen. Yes, I knew Sister White. 
will not fear. The kingdom of 